what is up everybody man let me know if y'all can hear me in the chat week five is here man i'm excited it's it's finally here man uh apologize starting a little bit late tonight man had to finish recording the coach's corner which is dropping tomorrow with my guy coach fred i wanted to plug that show real quick he he does a great job over at Allcorn state man me and him preview and recap some of the biggest games across the fcs and also, we did an FBS game this week, man. We previewed Kentucky versus Ole Miss this weekend, top 15 matchup in the FBS. Me and Coach are giving our predictions. And listen, we talked after the show. There are going to be some Coach special guests due to my connections and his connections. And let's just say we might have a very, very, very big announcement for a very big coach in the SWAC joining us. That's, that's not a head coach. But let me just say as someone that um, a lot of people have been wishing had an interview uh, somewhere on the Internet out here in this HBCU media space. So, man, so stay tuned for that announcement. Me and Coach are working behind the scenes to improve this show. Episode two of Coach's Corner drops tomorrow. But, man, week five. So, listen, throughout the season, I'm going to be I'm going to keep improving this these shows. And uh, throughout the year, I'm going to be changing a little bit of the segment. So tonight, instead of doing my top five QB rankings, I figured starting now, I'm going to be doing a Walter Payton and Buck Buchanan watch list just based on what I've been what I've been seeing throughout the season. So I'm going to give you my top three candidates for each award and give you two to three honorable mentions right now. And th- that is uh, that's going to change weekly on this show. And then. Starting in two weeks, I'm also going to be doing a bracketology for the FCS playoffs where I kind of where, where I seed it out based on the teams who I think are going to win each conference and who and, and kind of break down the auto bids and the resumes of those teams on the on the playoff bubble and give you guys a complete bracket of who I think is going to be seated where and what the potential matchups can be um, each week starting starting after week seven. I wanted to kind of. I didn't want to do it too early. Listen, my guy Sam Herter started this after week three. I wanted to try to be uh, as accurate as possible. So I'm not going to start at week three. I'm going to start it after week seven. That way you guys can kind of keep up with the playoff race. Listen, Coach's Corner dropping tomorrow afternoon. Oh, man, let's get into this Walter Payton award watch list. Um, I think the top three, the top two candidates are probably the most obvious candidates, while Three through about six or seven, I, I think you can debate on who belongs where. Tim DeMoret is the odds-on favorite. I don't think right now, statistically, Tim DeMoret is going to run away with the Walter Payton Award. Right now, he's completing almost 70% of his passes, over 1,800 yards, 22 passing touchdowns, only three picks and a rushing touchdown. Fordham is 3-1. and one. Received votes in the FCS Top 25 this week, and the only loss for Fordham was to an FBS opponent in Ohio last week in which they lost by single digits. So he has the record. He can potentially have a Top 25 matchup on that schedule with Holy Cross in conference. And we're definitely – I'm really, really excited to see uh, what Tim DeMoret does moving forward. Shador Sanders is is easily – 1A in this race or 1B is 1A, 1B, however you want to slice it. 74 over 74% of his passes completed, 1300 yards, 14 touchdowns, a pick, and two rushing touchdowns. Jackson State sitting at 4 and 0. Grambling, FAMU, Valley, Tennessee State are the wins for him. And Shador Sanders has looked even more efficient than he did last year, as crazy as that sounds. And I've talked about on this show what. 
what separates this Jackson State offense from some of the other offenses that I've seen in the SWAC is how Jackson State built their offense around the the qualities that make Shador Sanders special. Other coaches in the SWAC right now seem to be trying to fit their quarterbacks in in a box around their offenses rather than building that offense around the quarterback. I think bringing in Brett Bartoloni, him and Shador working throughout the offseason, um, really, really and truly, I, I think ha- has been amazing, man. It, it it has been amazing to watch his efficiency. Tim Demoret has the, has the stats. Shador Sanders has the efficiency. A dark horse third-place pick, Jaden Sheridan from Monmouth, a running back, 58 carries, 664 yards, five rushing touchdowns, shirting over the first four games with 60 carries. Just mind you guys, he's averaging 11 and a half yards per carry as a running back right now for Monmouth. They're two and two. Their two losses were to Fordham with Tim DeMoret and New Hampshire, who, who, who was a ranked team at the time. Jaden Sheridan has been the most explosive running back in college football this year, and I'm extremely excited to see where him and Monmouth take this team. And he wasn't even supposed to be the number one running back on Monmouth, and he just took that job. Um, the honorable mentions are Fotis, uh, Fotis Coco from uh, Fordham. He's the wide receiver for Tim DeMoret. He leads the country in receiving yards, receiving touchdowns and yards per catch right now, coming off a 320-yard performance this past weekend. Hunter Lipke from North Dakota State at the running back spot and Lindsey Scott Jr. incarnate word quarterback. Now, I will say, Quentin, if Jarvion Howard can increase his volume at all corner. What I mean by increases volume is that he's not splitting as many carries with Nico Duffy and Leatherwood. There is a chance that Jarvion Howard can make the, I would say, top 10, top 15. But right now, I just don't know if Jarvion's going to have the hype behind his name and or the amount of carries that some of these uh, that you know some of the other top running backs in the country can get. But I do think, listen, Jarvion's going to make a run for Swag uh, Newcomer of the Year. It's just it's going to be hard to get him in the Walter Payton Award race this year. But I do think potentially he could be named a top twenty finalist. You know, somewhere in there, top fifteen finalist, possibly Quentin. It's just going to be hard when you start comparing and and this this is really and truly Quentin it's going to be a quarterback wide receiver award to be honest with you but we'll see man uh it's still early but these are these are my top three candidates for the Walter Payton watch list right now and like hey there's my guy swacking a full man make sure to go subscribe to their channel they've done a great job he I don't think he's going to get the volume of carries that a Jaden Sheridan is going to have or someone like that even possibly a Hunter Lipke and Hunter Lipke also has the the North Dakota state effect where they're going to have so many big games this year that Hunter Lipke is going to, is going to have multiple opportunities to have that quote. We talk about Hosman moments. Hunter Lipke is going to have a chance to have that Walter Payton moment at, at North Dakota state as well. But um, I agree right here, Sean, it's the, the, the stat race between Tim Demore and Shador Sanders is going to be extremely, extremely fun to watch. I don't know if it's going to rival the Cole Kelly, Eric Berrier fight over the past two seasons, but it's damn sure going to be close. Tim DeMoret right now is on pace to throw 60 plus touchdowns, Sean. And I mean, what, uh, over 5,000 yards passing. So Shador is going to have to pick it up a little bit in terms of his pace because, Sean, what Shador can win at, though, is if Shador can make this can just decrease the gap a little bit, Sean. Shador can have the efficiency um, argument in his favor because Shador is going to complete over 73% of his passes. 
Um, and and that's going to be where Shador possibly can win uh can win some votes, I think. Um, so we'll see, we'll see, man. But listen, Shador and Tim DeMoret are one and two by a significant margin. Sheridan, Fotis, Hunter Lipke, Lindsey Scott Jr. are some names. Listen, Matthew Solka is also a name to watch. Holy Cross quarterback. They have a big game with Harvard this weekend. I'm just going to say be watch out for him as well, especially if he keeps producing the way he is. Um, Hey, man, and I want to say this too because there was a, a comment last show that uh, I saw, and I just, I, I'm not calling the person out or anything. Uh, just for people to understand, Tim DeMora and Shador Sanders have about the same number of attempts. I think it's less than 10, 10 attempts difference between Shador, Shador and Tim DeMoret. So it's not like Tim DeMoret's just throwing the ball around the field either. Shador and Tim DeMoret have thrown about equal number of passes this year or or a or it's a marginal difference. It's less than 10, though, um, last time I looked. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see uh, DeMoret and Sanders moving forward. Buck Buchanan Award watch list. This one was tough because the NCAA doesn't, you know, update stats a lot. But I went through and I've been watching film, kind of keeping a list. Patrick O'Connell finished third last season. It, he, right now, I think he's he's going to have the small lead. He has 33 total tackles, seven and a half for loss, five and a half sacks, a forced fumble, a pick, and he plays on arguably one of the best defenses in the FCS right now. Plus, he also has the hype um, behind his name due to the fact he finished third. And they're four and zero right now. Northwestern State, South Dakota, Indiana State, and Portland State. The reason I gave Patrick the the nod over Pius, Anderson, Whitaker, some of these other names is because he does it in all facets. What's going to happen is Pius is going to have a bunch of sacks. Whitaker and Gaddy are going to have a bunch of sacks. But Patrick O'Connell is going to beat them in tackles, beat them in tackles for loss. He's going to have forced fumbles. He's going to have picks because he plays so many uh, different positions on that defense. So Patrick O'Connell is my early favorite. John Pius is second, 30 total tackles, 12, 12 tackles for loss, seven sacks, three and one record for William and Mary. Their only loss was to number 20 was number 23 Elon. Maxwell Anderson for Weber State, in my opinion, has been arguably one of the best corners in the FCS this year. 12 tackles, four picks, four pass breakups, zero touchdowns allowed this season, has allowed less than 150 yards receiving this year. 4-0 record, including that big win over Utah State, which is going to be huge for in just in terms of the team award. And the honorable mentions are Chris Whitaker from Incarnate Word, Niles Gaddy from Jackson State, and Johnny Buchanan, linebacker from Delaware. Johnny Buchanan leads the nation in total tackles. Niles Gaddy was probably in my top three if I would have done this two weeks ago, but his pace has really shrank. Listen, he was a little bit banged up against Grambling late in that game due to a chop block that wasn't called. And then last week, he only put up, I believe, a sack. And I think when you look at the pace that John Pius is putting on and Chris Whitaker, Niles Gaddy's going to have to turn up his production over these next few weeks. And I think against Alabama State, Campbell, some of these big games coming up, he's going to have to have big performances to insert himself back into the top three. Same for Whitaker. He had a solid performance against Southeastern Louisiana, but he's going to have to pick up the pace to keep up with John Pius and Patrick O'Connell. Maxwell Anderson right now is my corner pick. Some players, some other players to look out for across the country are developing. There's some linebackers that are putting up big stats. Joe Andreessen from Bryant is someone that comes to mind. B.J. Davis for South Carolina State as well, coming off a 17-tackle performance this weekend. And 
I, I think there's a few other guys that could possibly emerge. DBs are tough to win this award. I'm just going to keep it 100 with y'all. The reason it's tough for a DB to win, I just want to put this in perspective. Justin Ford last year had nine interceptions, 20-plus pass breakups, and on top of that was had a streak of 12 games where he had a turnover forced or a touchdown last season for Montana, and Justin Ford didn't even make the top three. It's, it is extremely hard for a defensive back to win this award because what happens is the voters get enamored by stats and it, and what looks better than stats are total tackles, tackles for loss, and sacks. And really and truly, sacks count for so much more than anything for a lot of these voters based on the history of this award. So that's why I think a corner is really going to be hard-pressed to win this award right now with the way it's going. And that's why O'Connell stuffing the stat box across the across the way is, is really, really big for his candidacy. Plus, he was already a finalist last season. And... Really and truly, let's just be honest. Isaiah Land has not performed well, and and I don't. It, it's sad. I really thought he was going to have a chance to possibly repeat. Isaiah Land is not even going to be in consideration due to the fact he missed a game, and I don't think he's even had a double digit, a a, 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 a more than one sack game this season. Almost a double digit. And appreciate you, Sean. So, Tim, uh, let me go back real quick. So, Tim Demoret has 164 attempts. Shador Sanders has 159. So they're almost on pace right now to match each other in attempts. So it is going to be a huge, a huge battle here. And Paris, I agree. So I'm a voter this year, Paris. And if I was a voter last year, my vote last year would have uh, would have went to the kid from Montana State, Troy Anderson. Troy Anderson, in my opinion, was the better player last year. And what and this this is what I was talking. It's what I was talking about. Paris, they got enamored with the sack numbers from Isaiah Lane, and that's why they gave him the award. For me, Troy Anderson did more for his team than Isaiah Land did, and and that counts for me as a vote. I'm just gonna be honest. Like I try to be as transparent for you guys uh, with you guys as possible about how I'm voting in the top 25, and when these awards roll around, I'm going to break down exactly what I was thinking behind my votes. I would have gave it to Troy Anderson. I made a whole episode about it. Troy Anderson did more for his defense than Isaiah Land did for his. Isaiah Land was explosive in terms of sacks, but he didn't do anything in the biggest games. You can't say the same for Troy Anderson. Troy Anderson is the only re- is one of the only reasons that defense got uh, to the national championship. So I really don't I really don't think they gave Troy Anderson his due. I think it was a little bit of fatigue of his name too because he was a big name at Montana State as well. And I think they really robbed him of that award. Listen, no disrespect to Isaiah Land had it a legendary year, but in my opinion, I, I really do think Troy Anderson got robbed last year um, uh, of the Buck Buchanan Award. But that, that's just how I feel about it. Um, let's see, Shador could have honestly went for five, 600 yards every game if they kept him in for the whole damn game and not to set him out. That's that's fair. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. They have the, the teams they play make a difference or just the numbers. Um, I would say so. I don't know about Russell. I can't speak for all the voters. For me, the teams you play matter. That's why if you see down below, I put their record, I put who they lost to, and I put who they beat in, in certain cases. Because if you're because let me just be honest. Throwing for 6,000 yards in, in the Pioneer League, a non-scholarship league, is not the same as throwing for 6,000 yards in the Big Sky. And I think that's why, for me, Eric Barrier was a little bit more impressive than Cole Kelly just because he had the higher degree of difficulty because the defenses in the Big Sky are 
completely uh, completely different. I would have voted the Montana guy over Land. I agree. The most sacks, a lot of his sacks pairs actually came from the South Carolina State game. The South Carolina State game, he had like four sacks in that one. Tim has eighteen hundred uh, yards. That's more deep balls than Shador. I'm interested to know if the other QBs stay in the whole game. Um, based on, okay, you can't. I, I get what you're saying, T. But when you flip it back. Uh, Jackson State uh, played Valley. Valley's 0-4 with a loss to a D2 team. Um, listen, uh, Shador, uh, I don't think you can make the strength of schedule argument for Shador right now, even with Tim DeMoret, because Tim DeMoret played played a CAA team and played an FBS team. Right now, when you look at the combined record of Jackson State's opponents, they're 2-12 and right now, T. So I don't know if you could uh, – I don't know if you can argue the uh, – the strength of schedule for either one of these guys, but I don't I don't think you could say Shador played a way harder schedule than Tim Demoret right now either. Neither of them have played a tough schedule, in my opinion. But I don't I don't think the I don't think you can lean Shador uh to anything. Listen, you gotta get you got I don't care who you play, 1800 yards and 22 touchdowns in four games. It is impressive. And same for Shador, man. What he's done in in four games is impressive too. So I don't think um I don't think you can uh you can take anything away from either one of these guys. I'm just going to say that. Um, Tim Anderson was the animal. He should have won the Butt Buchanan. Uh, 6,000 yards or 6,000 yards. Okay, maybe 6,000, Leon. But um, let's, let's see. Lamp padded his stats in one game. Lamp probably doesn't even have more sacks than Houston um, if he's not tossed out the ULM game. Because he got ejected. Um, what quarter was uh, Houston ejected? I think it was the first quarter. It's It's been a whole year, man, so don't blame me for not remembering, but I think it was a... Uh, I think it was the first quarter. Uh, Wiseland fell off so much. Okay, I talked a little bit about this on the Intel podcast with uh, with my guy. It, the reason I don't think he's fell off, Spence. What what happens is um, you you explode onto the scene. Let's be honest. In the chat, if you're not okay, in the chat, if you're not a FAMU fan, how many people really knew who Isaiah Land was coming into last year? And I would I would assume it's not many of you unless you're a huge FAMU fan or you're just an avid fan that knew everybody. Because he, I mean, he didn't have any impact before last year, so you weren't getting game planned, you weren't, um, it, you really and truly weren't, you didn't account for him early in the season. And so I don't think you could say uh, I, I think this year what you're seeing is double teams, you're seeing chips. And what happened is, man, Spence, you have a whole year of film on Isaiah Land now. You have a whole year of film, and if you get a whole film, uh, a whole year of film on anyone, you're going to find weaknesses. And that southeastern Louisiana film has stuck out, and they just completely have taken him out of the game. And they're doing quick passes, they're double teaming them, they're chipping them, and. And, and for me, I just I, I think he's been schemed out of the game, man. A lot of people, and that's what separates the elite players from the great players. Spence is elite players. Even if you scheme against Aaron Donald, you can't take Aaron Donald out of the game. And and that's something that right now I think that's what separate Isaiah Land from uh, for, from the top uh, top teams in, uh, or top defensive players in the country because. People can scheme up against Patrick O'Connell. He's been here for three years. We've known who he is. He's still putting up stats, and they can't stop him. I just want to. I just want to say that, Mister Ford, you're live, man. Hey, hold on. Let me turn it. Mister Ford, you're live. 
Hey, how's it going, Blue? Hey, not too bad. Not too bad. Excited for this weekend. Yeah, I am too. Let, let me say this. Let me do my Isaiah Lance bill. Listen, one of the things y'all need to understand, y'all need to do the research on him. He was, uh, when he came out of Grayson High School, he only had one offer. He was a project. Sam took a chance on him. Okay, he he was not well-known. He was not somebody that all the Division ones wanted. As far as what he's done at FAM, he's done great at FAM because he was a project player. Okay? Now, the other thing I want you all to keep in mind, do you know how much chaos and confusion they done had down there at FAMU in the last four or five months? Do you know that all them coaches live? Do you know they got a quarterback? And, and let, let me say this. Y'all see, y'all don't understand. Let me say it. Okay. Them people at Florida A&M are procrastinating. They need to get a new president. And as long as they don't get a new president, their program will never breach its apex. Okay? Always remember, I've told y'all this a hundred times. Winning starts in the president's office, goes to the AD, and then it goes to the coaching staff. They don't have a president to support uh, – college uh, uh, football, and they have a four-time interim uh, AD. Now, they got an outstanding head football coach, okay? But getting back to that land kid, you got to understand now that he's a project, okay? Now, to me, when I was watching him, I had two or three players on that defense last year better than him. That kid that, that Marquise Bell I thought was the best player on that defense, I like that Collier kid, and I like General Hunt. I like that, that boy that transferred from the University of Tennessee. I thought he was a better player than uh, Land. So I'm just saying that y'all need to do your research on Land. And like somebody said right here in your chat, you're right. He was quiet as a church mouse in that game against Southeast Louisiana. Did he get a psycho or a tackle? Did any, do anybody no. remember the stats? No, he didn't. I don't, he didn't have any. Okay. I don't think he that's had any stats saying. that game. So, yeah, so for, as far as that's concerned, he's done great down there because you got to remember now. Uh, he, he was not highly recruited. Willis staff took a chance on him, okay? He, he did not come out of high school as a blue chip. I think he moved to Grayson, which is in the Atlanta area, from Buffalo, New York, or somewhere. But he has that body, okay? And the pros are going to take a chance because he's, what, any 6'5"? What is he? Uh, 6'4", based on the roster thing. I've stood and next to him. how much he's weighing? He's closer to he's closer to six five in my opinion. I mean, he's a tall dude, but he just don't have no yeah, weight on him. He's gonna get a shot. They gonna what they gonna what they gonna do when he gets to the NFL? They gonna put weight on him, and then they gonna see what he can do and all that. But he'll get a shot, okay. But I'm just saying, I, I hate that all of y'all expected him to do all these great things. You got to do your research on him, okay. He was a project, okay. All right, now listen, Blue. It's a lot of smoke and mirrors going on, a lot of propaganda. Okay, I'm going to try to make this as short as possible. I talked to some Georgia Tech people today. Blue, do you know the number one reason why Georgia Tech is in an uproar over there about that football program? Do y'all know what man has caused that? Do you I know, don't know what who, this one man who caused has caused it? that uproar over there at Georgia Tech? I don't you know, know who, who caused is? it, but... I know no one cares about that program. The attendance is horrible. They haven't yeah. won in the ACC in what five years? Ten, you know, six oh, years. years. Yeah, I mean, it's been it a was, while. So, uh, but let me let me tell you this: the reason they end up at Georgia Tech, the guy's name is Kirby Smart. 
Okay, if Kirby Smart did not have a perennial winning program that threatens to win the NCAA championship every year in football, them people at uh, Georgia Tech would be okay. But because Kirby Smart is doing all of this winning, see, Blue, are you familiar with Bobby Dodd? Do you remember? Do you know that name? Yeah, yeah I do. Huh? Yeah, I do. Yeah, okay. Bobby Dodd was dominant at Georgia Tech during the 40s, the 50s, and the halfway point of the 60s. He used to beat uh, Georgia when he got ready. He was like their uh, Jake Gaither, okay? There are a lot of people here in Atlanta, throughout the state of Georgia, who were a part of his program, who are still living, okay? And they can't stand the fact that Georgia is one of the top five teams in America. Now, as long as, you know, it was even Stevens when Georgia and Georgia Tech played, they were fine. But here's the problem now. They know that when they play University of Georgia, it's either going to be 50 to nothing, 60 to nothing, and if Georgia's having a really good day, could possibly be 70 to nothing. Now, what's my point? All this foolishness about Deion Sanders coming to Georgia Tech, that's a lie. That's the media. That's propaganda. Okay? Now, oh, yeah, the students there at Georgia Tech, yeah, they would, I mean, you know, they would love to have Dion. But once again, the people that's calling the shots, those old men sitting up in those suites, they're not bringing no Dion Sanders to no Georgia Tech. It's not happening. Okay? So all of this, y'all going to hear all of this about Georgia Tech wants uh, Deion Sanders. That's not true. That's not true. The people who are going to call the shot, they're going to go with somebody that's either from the tree of an urban mire, from the tree of a uh, uh, Nick uh, Saban. They're looking at this guy up at uh, uh, he's on he's at uh, Myrtle Beach. That school is called Coastal Carolina. Those are the kind of people they want. Okay? Because let me just say this to all of y'all who in an uproar to my uh, uh, Deion Sanders going to Auburn and Deion Sanders is going to uh, uh, Georgia Tech. If he goes to Auburn, if he goes to Georgia Tech, they're going to do him the same way they did Bob Simmons at Oklahoma State. They're going to do him the same way they did Tyrone Willingham at Notre Dame. They're going to do him the same way they did uh, Willie Taggart down at Florida State. Okay? Now, I'm through with that. Now, let me, let me tell you this. My game this week is the Grambling versus uh, Prairie View. I believe that Prairie View is going to put a whooping on Grambling. I'm a Grambling graduate. I hate to say that, but there's some stuff going on down there at Grambling right now. I'm not liking. Now, Blue, you tell me how you feel. I don't understand this whole thing about taking the G off the helmet. What's that prove? What, 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 what's that all about? And my I'm, I'm other thing honest. is, I need for him to to have a good showing down there in Dallas. Because now most of y'all know, now everybody that finishes at HBC usually flocks to Atlanta. But what they don't tell y'all is that them swag schools, a lot of their graduates flock to Dallas because there's jobs, there's opportunity, there's everything in Dallas, okay? Gremlin needs to have a good showing down in Dallas this week, okay? All right, what, Blue, what, what, what's your thoughts on that? What do you think about uh, the, taking the G off the helmet? I think it was a panic move. I get 
what he wanted to do, but I don't think I'm, let's just be honest. I get it's the G the branding. I don't think you should take that off the helmet. I mean, let's just be honest, Mr. Ford, your team's not playing well. You had a lot of off season turmoil in terms of your coaching staff. Your team has no offensive identity, which it was supposed to have. Your defense has not looked as good as it was supposed to. And he panicked. Right. And I think he's just, he's reaching for anything to try to motivate his guys because he doesn't, he doesn't know what to do. And I think, right. I think, for me, watching it from an outsider's perspective, he's panicking. He doesn't know what to do other than do that. And Blue, Blue, let me ask you this right now. Now, I went and I pulled up the Bethune-Cookman uh, Grambling game. Now, he, this is my big problem. It's that Hawkins boy quarterback. I know good and well them quarterbacks is better. That, as a kid, at Grambling better than him. That, that's the biggest problem I saw with that Hawkins kid at quarterback. What, now, what's your thoughts on that? Here's what I'll say. I think we've seen, you know, throughout the season, throughout the QB battles, sometimes it's our instinct to assume the backups are better. Here's the scary truth that it really might be happening behind the scenes. It, they might just not have a good quarterback. I, let's just be honest. Halloween had to move to wide receiver, completely overrated. Right. Chance Amy has not lived up to the hype. Hawkins has not been great in games. And let's just be honest, the true freshman might just not be ready. He's still 18 years old, and he might not be ready. The The truth of the matter is Hawkins might be the best QB in the room, and he just isn't good. Listen, Blue, thank you so much. And listen, I ain't going to take up no more of your time, but thank you and have a good night, okay? Appreciate you, Mr. Ford. Okay, bye-bye. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'll, just, just to kind of elaborate on that, this is the same thing. Okay, so me being an an Auburn guy, that that's a uh, that's something that I had to come to ra- you know uh, rationalization with this year. I mean, I didn't think T.J. Finley was going to start for Auburn. The fact of the matter is, now we know T.J. Finley was the best quarterback in the room, and that is a terrifying fact as a fan to have to come to realization with. And sometimes I get it. The the as fans as media, sometimes we say this quarterback's not playing well. There has to be a better option because we've seen the Tua's coming in for Jalen Hurts. We've seen these backup quarterbacks, Tom Brady coming in for Drew Bledsoe when he got hurt. We've seen the backup overachieve so many times. Sometimes the truth of the matter is you got to hold the staff accountable. You have to hold the the recruiting classes accountable. You just missed on a lot of quarterbacks and you don't have one now. And there's nothing you can do. So for me, I just uh, want that there. Also, um, real quick on the on the rumors, man, I didn't create another slide. Listen, I told you guys how I felt about the, uh, the prom to Auburn rumors and about how that's not true. There hasn't been any contact directly with Auburn and prom. And I'm just going to let you all know there are two major candidates that I can't talk about right now that are above – prom in any pecking order in terms of choosing the next head coach for Auburn and none of the ADs that have been announced as finalists have are going to are are, I don't think are going to venture that route now for the Georgia Tech job listen um he's been on the show so y'all do know I'm being legit um my guy Bryce Coon also the play-by-play guy for Mercer is the lead insider for Georgia or for Georgia Tech at 247 Sports, and I have been texting with him the past few days, that is, he's not a candidate. 
And if he is, it's um it's very far down the board. Listen, Del McGee is going to be a major candidate for that job. The running back coach and the run game coordinator for Georgia is going to be um is going to be a major uh candidate for that job. Jamie Chadwell of uh, head coach at Coastal Carolina is going to be a major candidate for that job. And both of those guys are going to gain a lot of attention. And for me, I think Del McGee finally had, it deserves his chance right now to be a head coach. I think he's, he's going to come for that Kirby Smart coaching tree, similar to Mel Tucker. And I'm really excited to see if he can go into Georgia Tech, recruit that Georgia area where he has made a living at Georgia um, on that Kirby Smart staff. And I think that's going to be the guy if I had to uh, – if I had to um, put 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 my opinion in the in the ring of opinions, uh, so I, I think Del McGee is going to be the guy that I'm really really hoping Georgia Tech moves with. And um, listen, and I got con- I, I, Bryce has I've talked to Bryce over at Georgia Tech. I work for Auburn on three. If there is a phone call, a carrier pigeon, a voicemail, an email sent between Prime. In Auburn or Prime in Georgia Tech, I will promise I'll let y'all know. But right now, there has not been any contact. And as far as I'm concerned, based on the people I've talked to inside both buildings, there there has been no mutual interest as of right now. So I'll let y'all know if that changes. But as of right now, man, everyone can just take a deep breath, man. Everything's going to be just fine on 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 both of those fronts. Um, but man. Real quick, man. Let's let's get a little bit into these games, real quick, man. Uh, so listen, I uh, I split this up. So I'm gonna do top FCS games, and then I'm also gonna have a week five HBCU segment in here. So we're gonna talk about a few of the FCS games. We got a week five HBCU preview, and then of course the games of the week, man. I'm going to be in Campbell this weekend in the rain, in the wind this weekend, man, for y'all. So stay tuned for content from Campbell, North Carolina Central this weekend. But um. You know, for me, Montana State UC Davis is an extremely, extremely interesting matchup. Montana State coming off of a, um, <laughs> he says so. Dion was not on the plane to Auburn on Sunday. No, no one was on the plane, Mr. Campbell. And it, and if it was somebody from Jackson State, it was not Dion Sanders. I'll just say that it 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 could have been a representative or someone, but it was not uh, Dion Sanders on that plane. Now. Uh, you know, real quick, man, back 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 to uh, Montana State, and they are banged up. They are missing the top four running backs. They're missing the starting quarterback potentially. But Sean Chambers and that and Elijah and Elijah Elliott have been absolute ballers uh, for that team. They rushed for 350 yards last weekend against Eastern Washington. UC Davis has had a brutal schedule. Have played multiple ranked teams. Looking at this matchup. I just think Montana State has too much. I've been doubting Montana State due to injuries, and they have just kept proving me wrong week in and week out. I'm going to ride Montana State in a close one here in this one. I think they get a huge big sky win, and and I, I think Montana State and Sean Chambers in that rushing attack do enough to come out with a win in this one. The Battle of Piney Woods, man. Stephen F. Austin, Sam Houston. This is a big one. Stephen F. Austin put up 90, what, eight points on on uh I don't even know what type of team they played uh, last year. And Sam Houston has already taken an L this year to uh, Northern Arizona. I don't know how to feel about Sam Houston State. It really seems like the fact that they don't have anything to play for. They can't win their conference. They can't make make the playoffs. They can't be ranked. It just seems like they're in like this weird – 
this weird limbo phase where they're not they're not really competing at a very high level right now. Stephen F. Austin has not been able to get over the hump yet in this one. They came very, very close last year. I think Stephen F. Austin, a week after that they put up 98 points coming off of a big loss the week before, I think Stephen F. Austin finally catches Sam Houston State this weekend in a big one. I expect Xavier Gibson finally to emerge back at this wide receiver spot. Trey Self has a big game, and I'm really hoping B.J. Uh, BJ Thompson comes out in a big way, get some pressure on the quarterback. Northern Arizona gave Stephen F. Austin the blueprint. It's time to it, it's, it's time to go out there and finally earn, earn your keep, man. So Stephen F. Austin over Sam Houston State this weekend for me. Chattanooga versus ETSU is a huge, huge SoCon game. Um, uh, ETSU is extremely uh underperformed this year a big uh, a big loss i believe to Furman two weeks ago and they just they just don't like they have any chance to repeat in this in in this in, in this conference man they don't have any chance to get to the playoffs this was the team led by quay at the running back spot last year they lose their head coach they lose their their number one offensive weapon and they just don't seem to have any identity Verdell's hasn't hasn't looked the same they just don't have that it factor about this team. Chattanooga under Rusty Wright has has been rolling, and this defense, man, has been something that's extremely impressive. I just I just got questions about both these teams' offensive efficiency, but due to the fact that I believe in Chattanooga's defense a bit more, led by Devontae Maxwell, I'm a rob with Chattanooga in this game, and then finally Harvard Holy Cross in a game that, man. Uh, Harvard Holy Cross is a game that I know a lot of people in the chat might not really be super interested in. This is really and truly one of the games of the weekend, man. Harvard has been rolling Aiden Bogut at the running back spot, has been electric. Kim Wimberly has caught, I believe, 90-something percent of the passes this year for Harvard, while Holy Cross with Matthew Solka has been rolling. He leads the team in rushing and passing. Jalen Coker is a problem, and that Jacob Dobbs in that linebacking court is arguably one of the best in the country. I think Holy Cross gets revenge over uh, from last year against Harvard. I'm picking Holy Cross for the upset in this one because Harvard, even though they're rolling, man, I don't think they have the weapons to hang with Holy Cross this year. But th- this is this is one that I, I think is interesting because of the names. But I just don't I don't know if Youngstown State has the has has the horses to run in this one. Uh, Youngstown State two and one and. Jaleel McLaughlin has been electric this year. One of the top leading rushers in the country, top five in the country in rushing. It's just, does anyone believe in Demetri Crenshaw to keep this one close? He's been extremely effective downfield, but not very accurate, only completing about 40% of his passes this year. And if I'm North Dakota State, not in the box, leave my corners on Island and say, man, I hope Chris Saul can throw the football down the field. And if he can't, I trust Michael Tutsi and, and, and D and hoodie DT and all those guys back there to, to go out there and make some plays on the football. I think North Dakota state runs away with this one against Youngstown state, even though Youngstown state's on a two game win streak coming in here at two and one, give me North Dakota state in a big one this weekend, Missouri state and North Dakota, both teams are looking to bounce back from big losses. North Dakota drops a, a a big game to Southern Illinois last week, while Missouri State dropped a big game uh, last week to South Dakota State, 28-14. That's one that me and Coach talk about on the Coach's Corner tomorrow. Missouri State has to win this game. You're preseason top five. You're still in the top ten in terms of the FCS stats per form poll, 
Missouri State has to come out and rebound in a big way in this one. I need Jason Shelley to look like the the Walter Payton Award candidate everyone thought he was. But the problem is, man, this offensive line looks atrocious. Jason Shelley is running for his life. I believe they've allowed four-plus sacks in almost every game they've played this year. But Jacardia Wright looks like a legit option at running back one. We know what Tyrone Scott is. But this is going to come down to who's able to be more effective on the offensive side of the football. And I think that is Missouri State due to the fact I do think they have the better quarterback. I got Missouri State pulling out a close one in this MVFC battle. Sanford Furman. Um, I'm going to save this one for the coach's corner tomorrow for my prediction, man. But Sanford and Furman, Furman's got some quarterback injury issues potentially. Their quarterback last week went out with a with a late injury, and I'm, I'm extremely interested to see if he plays. Tyler Huff is questionable this weekend, while Michael Ayers for Sanford has been electric, over 900 yards passing, 12 touchdowns. Smith at the wide receiver spot has caught six of those touchdowns. But I'm going to say my prediction for the show is going to come down because Sanford moved the ball on Furman's top 20 FCS defense this weekend. Austin P. UCA as well. Austin P. in my opinion, is the biggest surprise in FCS football this season. I don't know how in the world this team has looked like they have this year with a new head coach, a new quarterback, a new running back, new faces on the offense and defensive line, new faces, uh, three new faces in the starting secondary. I don't understand how Austin P is a top 15 team right now. And I think Austin P wins this game because UCA has been inconsistent at the quarterback spots thus far. I do trust Darius Hill in that run, run, running game, but man, Austin P right now is on a tear, beating Eastern Kentucky last weekend by double digits. And they have that they were, they have just looked amazing, man. Coming into last week, they outscored their last two opponents a hundred and something to nothing. Give me Austin P over the Bears this weekend. Now, for our our four top HBCU games of the weekend in week five, we got Sacred Heart versus Norfolk State, PV versus Grambling, FAMU versus Valley, and Howard versus Yale. Um, this first game, this is a must win by Norfolk State. They're sitting at 0-4. Dawson Odom's team has not looked impressive in any phase of the game. Not a single phase. They have not looked good all year. When you lose by double digits to Hampton, I mean, come on, man. Like, Hampton was supposed to, coming into the season, everyone in the chat was joking about how bad Hampton was going to be. And Norfolk State can't buy a win right now. Sacred Heart coming off the loss to Morgan, I think is going to be on a mission to say, okay, we're not losing to two MEAC teams in a year. Sacred Heart has a sto- has has been really, really good against the MEAC. Morgan State put it on them. And I think they're going to come out with Malik Grant and they're going to try to use the exact same formula Dawson Odoms has terrorized people with that downhill running attack. They are going to run Malik Grant and that and those running backs straight down Norfolk State's throat. I don't trust Norfolk State's quarterback situation. Their defense has has been a nosebleed right now. I think Sacred Heart wins this one in in, in dominant fashion. And I just want to know, uh, let me know in the chat before I move on. What it does anyone have faith in Norfolk to compete in the MEAC this year? I, I understand how good Central's looked. I understand that you know South Carolina State has been up and down. They got a big win over Bethune, but they they got beat by AT. I mean, is there a chance that Norfolk finishes last in the MEAC with how bad they've looked? Because I think right now 
I don't I, I don't think you can argue they look better than Morgan. Howard has had their moments. I don't know if you can technically argue that they're much better than Howard. I mean, is it going to be a race between Norfolk and Delaware State that they're going to try to they're going to be fighting for last place in the MEAC after being one of the people uh, one of the teams that a lot of people picked as a dark horse. I just I, it's been a long road and I talked to someone I talked to someone uh before the show that has a lot of knowledge of inside Norfolk State, they're they can't fire him either. He signed a six-year contract, and this is year two of six at Norfolk State. They can't afford that buyout. And so you're stuck with Odoms, regardless of how bad this year goes for, for Odoms. You are stuck with him going into next year. It's just I don't I don't think I don't think they've uh I, I I don't know what's happened to that school, man, but I got Sacred Heart winning that one. Uh, PV Grambling is probably the HBCU, one of the, you know, in-conference HBCU matchups game of the weeks. This, I, this has to be, I, I know this sounds like saying is this year one. If Hugh Jackson loses this game, what, what do people think? What, what do people think about Grambling if they, if they drop this game? That's that's a real question, and if PV wins, it's them and Alcorn by themselves right now, at the top at the at the top of the West, and with the defense at with, with how the defense is looking at PV and the fact that Trazon Conley, this is going to sound insane, looks like it looks like a very like he looks like the best quarterback in this matchup, and going into the season, nobody would have would have said that PV would be, be better at the quarterback spot than Grambling. I think PV wins this one. I know that that might be a hot take or whatever. I think PV wins this one convincingly too. I don't trust Grambling's offense. They can't they can't stay healthy at key positions. They're arguably their top wide receiver coming into the season is is not going to be healthy and hasn't been able to play much in phase on. I think he has a touchdown this year in one play. And then Maurice Washington can't stay healthy and stay on the field. And their quarterback has been completely inconsistent. If PV's defense can hold can, can do what they did to incarnate word for at times, I don't tr- I don't trust Grambling to move the football against PV's defense. I really don't. I know uh I know Scotty pointed out some of the deficiencies in that defense, but I don't I, I'm sorry. I, I know this is gonna be controversial. I don't think Hugh in this offense is even comparable to what Incarnate Word brought to the table. They're, they're not as creative as Incarnate Word, and they just don't have the athletes that Incarnate Word has on the offensive side of the football. PV has been challenged by Incarnate Word and stood up to the test for the most part. I think, they, I think they're going to be able to shut down Grambling. I don't know if Grambling hits 20 this game. I'm going to be completely honest. I don't know if the offensive line is going to be able to hold that PV front. They're extremely good against the run. I just don't know if Grambling can move the football, man. So I'm going with PV in this one. I think Trazon and that rushing attack can get it done. I don't think I don't think Grambling is is going to be able to is not going to be able to win this one. Um, so I, I got PV taking this one, and it's going to be them in Alcorn and maybe Southern if they can turn it around. So I, I, I'm going to roll with um, right now. I'm going to I'm going to roll with PV in this one, and I agree with this comment here. Um, Grambling this season is is like um, is is really like JSU in the spring. I think there was there was a lot of expectations put on them just because of the name of Hugh Jackson. When um, 
and you know i had them i think i've had them finishing fourth third or fourth in the west which i mean still could technically happen but i don't see how anyone thought grambling was going to go out there and win the west this year i, I really don't i i don't I, I don't i don't think i don't think anyone um i don't i don't think anyone um has can say they looked at that roster and and, and said grambling's a top team in the west really and truly so We'll see. Um, I agree, Quentin. I, I don't think they're world beaters, but I think PV's defense is better than Grambling's offense right now. So I think that that's what that's what my analysis is coming down to is I trust PV's defense to make a play more than I trust Grambling's offense to make a play. I mean, Grambling, Grambling struggled against a worse defense than PV when they went up against Bethune, and they could not move the football at times. So I, I get it. PV's defense isn't world beaters. They're not top ten in the country or, or whatever. I just I just don't think right now that um I, I just don't think Graham I don't trust Grambling's offense. And Wayne, this is the hottest take of all time. The hottest take of all time. So I know Mr. Campbell's in the chat. He's probably about to go crazy. Uh Wayne has Valley upsetting FanView 20 to 17 this week. And I'm gonna say not so fast on that one. Um and uh, listen, FAMU's winning this one convincingly. If, and I'll say this: if Willie Simmons and FAMU lose to Valley, everyone's got to be fired on the field, the equipment staff, the bus drivers, the people who work the concession stands, everyone in the band. Everybody has to be fired if FAMU loses to Valley this weekend. That is an unacceptable loss to a team that has not won a game this year, and. On top of that, has not even looked impressive for a full game. You got to fire everyone. Listen, you got to take season tickets away from fans just because they were jinxing the team. It's how big of a reset you have to hit if you lose to Valley this weekend. This game for FAMU should be a game where you say, Musa, it's time to go pad them stats out there. You have to go pad those stats. You got to get Xavier the ball. You got to get Sharid the ball. And all those running backs that missed time due to injury, it's time to it's time to go eat. And the it's, you just you have to go you you have to go out here and look dominant. If you struggle against this team, it, it it's it's not looking good moving forward for your for, for your program. I'm just gonna be honest. And Isaiah Land, I swear to God. This offensive line has 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 one or two guys that, that can block, and neither of them play offensive tackle as far as I'm concerned. If you don't have a sack two or three this weekend, it, 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 I don't know what to sell, tell you. You are the Buck Buchanan Award winner, had damn near 20 sacks last season. I need you to get two plus this weekend. That is a that is a necessity. That is if any if anything else, you've got to have two sacks this weekend if you're Isaiah Land. And you got you have you have to perform this weekend, man. This is the game that you got to go out and perform, especially when you especially when you you look at what Austin P did to them. You look at what Jackson State did to them. This is you you cannot go out there and struggle with with Valley. I just just gonna put that out there. <laughs> he said he said I'm gonna say this again. Other than JSU, none of you are beating FAMU. Period. Not so fast with FAMU is not that good, man. I I got you. But Valley, man, come on. You can't. Famous struggle with Valley last year. I don't think Valley, I, I really, I really don't think Valley is um I, I don't I don't I don't think Valley is better than they were last year. I'm gonna be honest, Chris. You know, outside of um 
outside of Ronnie Thomas, man, nobody on and Caleb Johnson, nobody on that team has has performed very well this year. So I, I can't I can't give you that. It's the silliness to think that Valley is beating Famu and Bragg when we haven't lost in Bragg in three years. <laughs> oh man. I'm tired of all this land disrespect. He don't need sacks. He just needs to play a solid game. He'll have his hands full with the running game. Now that's true. I'm interested to see Isaiah um Isaiah Major though. I'll say that. Isaiah Major last week, I think he had what, 14 tackles last week against AM. I'm excited to see how he holds up in the run game uh this weekend. I think he could have another big weekend and he can make a run to lead the SWAC in uh, total tackles this year, really and truly. The way he plays sideline to sideline and his athleticism is something I don't think uh I don't think FAMU had last year at the at the linebacker spot. So um man, we'll see um how that looks. He's <laughs> oh Avis. Avis said Valley's defense is better than FAMU's. <laughs> oh man. Major is solid. Uh, I'm di- I'm dying, man. I'm dying. Let's see. Uh, the problem is JSU is getting the Mike Tyson treatment. People think all people think all these people are going to knock off King when they get destroyed. All of a sudden, opponents are trash. I think the only the only opponent of this, like uh, okay, so Sonic Boom. Here's the thing. I don't think I'm. I, there's people in the chat who do say FAMU's trash. I don't. I don't think FAMU is is trash. Because uh, FAMU is probably going to end the season second in the division, probably with, let's say, what, two, three losses at most, maybe four. But Valley is trash. Val- Valley is trash, Sonic. I'm just going to just keep it a bug. They lost to Delta State the week they the, the week before you guys. And right now, the Grambling losing to Bethune does not bode well. So I don't think it's, you know, once JSU beats everyone, they're trash. It's just... Since that JSU game, none of the teams outside of FAMU have won a game. Uh, so, so that's that's the problem because Tennessee State still ain't won a game since since then. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how it looks, man. But man, Howard and Yale, this <laughs> I, I'm excited for this game just just due to the history, you know, behind each of these programs. But I'm give me Yale. I, I, I told myself after I picked Howard over Alabama State, I'm not going to trust Howard again. And and so I'm going to go with Yale. They've looked really good these first two games of the season, and so I'm I'm going to ride with Yale big over Howard um, this weekend. This is this is a big win. This could be a big game for Howard if they can knock off Yale. That is a giant win because I do, if I'm not mistaken, Howard still has Harvard, who is a better team than Yale this year on the schedule. You got to at least get um you at least got to get one game against the Ivy League if Yale. It goes in here and blows Howard out, then man, zero chance against Harvard in a few weeks when that game pops up, man. But games of the week, real quick. Campbell versus North Carolina Central. I'm gonna be at that one. And Elon versus Richmond, the only uh FCS stats perform uh uh ranked matchup of the weekend. He said that was slander picking Howard over real estate. You, it was man. I, I did not believe in Alabama State this year. I'm gonna I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be a hundred percent honest here. He said the nerd bowl <laughs> has two L's to the Ivy for Howard. Oh man, he said right. Be at least one of the Ivy League schools. Now listen, the Ivy League schools. I don't know if y'all saw the tweet. I tweeted out the uh, I tweeted out the records of all the conferences in uh, in FCS football. So. 
Let me pull it up real quick. Um, the Ivy League's actually been performing extremely, extremely well out of conference, shockingly, to be honest. So right now the Ivy League is 10-2 and in out-of-conference records. Um, so Ivy League has had, a, I think, one of the longest streaks of at least like a huge winning records in out-of-conference. So hey, Ivy League can play out-of-conference now. Um, but, man, listen, uh, the Campbell-North Carolina Central game did get moved up. Uh, the kickoff was supposed to be at 6 p.m. Eastern time, but due to due to the hurricane, uh, Campbell and NCCU was moved up to 11 a.m. Central, 12 p.m. Eastern, and uh, due to the hurricane. So I'm just going to let you all know, I'm traveling to this game. I'm leaving tomorrow. Listen, I'm driving through the storm or, or whatever, um, up, <laughs> up 85, up uh, whatever interstate I got to take when I get up there. But um, I'll be in the rain, that game, the weather right now, from last time I looked, supposed to be like 20, 30 mile an hour winds, rain all day, and it, it, it's going to be an ugly game. So the weather is going to play a factor. I don't think we're going to see a lot of deep balls um, with the wind and everything like that. So uh, I think this is going to be a physical down south game, just one of those just physical in the box downhill games. And I'm extremely, extremely excited to see now. I do think I, I, I hate to say this and listen, I'm not going to give a prediction. I had someone reach out to me after last week. And what I was told is I shouldn't be predicting games I'm covering so I can stay neutral. So listen, I'm not predicting Campbell and CCU on the show and or the website this week. Um, just because I, I was told it, it makes it awkward in the press box and everything. So listen, no prediction for me. Got to keep it professional. But um, Campbell and NCCU, the, that type of game, though, does favor Campbell. I think Campbell has the better running back room. And also, they have an extremely physical and big offensive line that you saw against the Citadel. And the biggest question is, how do you, how do you get Davis Richard involved without with taking away his his ability to push the ball down the field that's that's the question for me especially with the wind going how it is um conditions being tough i'm interested to see what the if they do more of an rpo style read option type game it's gonna be um it's gonna be extremely interesting to see Hodge Malik Williams versus Davis Richard is one of the best quarterback battles of the weekend and i'm extremely excited to see um I just want to I just want to see how they fare against two good defenses. You have two good secondaries. Khalil Baker for North Carolina Central is one of the interception leaders in the country. Has an interception in every game this season, um, thus far this, this thus far throughout the season. Miles Rouser, uh, Weldon at, at in the back end of the Campbell defense is legit. This is a game though that Brevin Allen for Campbell has to have a big game. He only has half a sack. This is a guy who is a two-time Big South. Um, defensive player of the year he has not looked like it thus far this is a central offensive line that's looked good thus far throughout the season he's got to make an impact if you allow Richard to sit back in the pocket and feel and feel comfortable it, it, you have no chance in this one and also what helps in, it, what helps central is I, I've talked to some people up there at Campbell this this was going to be a big game like they were going to be damn near a sellout for this game because it was such an anticipated game due to the hype around Campbell's recruiting class how successful NCCU has been but now that it's moved up 
now that the weather's going to be bad, now there's a hurricane potentially coming, I don't think the attendance is going to be as high, and I don't think the home field advantage for Campbell is going to be um, – I, I don't I don't I don't think the attendance is going to be what it was. So that really that really favors NCCU in this one, man. But let me um, comment your prediction below. This is one of our games of the week. I just want to see how y'all feel about it. I'm, I'm upset. I can't predict it because I really do like predicting games. Um, Central for the win. NCCU tough call. Um, I got NCCU in this one. Uh, T said, I'm rooting for NCCU to have an undefeated season to meet JSU in the Celebration Bowl. I like that. Central is underrated. Richards is one of the top QBs in the FCS. I agree with that one. NCCU should win over Campbell. Uh, let's see. Uh, Campbell uh, Central was important. Um, let's see. I always bring the rain, man. This one wasn't my fault. This one wasn't my fault, but we do. Going to lean Campbell for now. That could change hourly. I, I like I like the hesitation in that pick, man. So it could change, though. NCCU by 14. I like it by 10. Okay, you got Elon in the next one. That should be a good game. Be careful of the wind uh, for me and it's blowing it, blowing uh, like in the islands. Yeah. Uh, hey, a little bit of professional growth, man. A little bit of professional. Yeah, South Carolina State game got moved to Thursday. So that's right. Uh, keep that journalistic integrity. Let's got to handle the muzzling. And that's what the round table's for. That's what the round table's for this year, man. Should do a money pool on FAMU. I, I, that's probably going to be the um, one of the games of the week next week, Sonic Boom. So um, probably do that. You have to do a rain dance. <laughs> I like it. Uh, Navy pulled out a big win against e- ECU. Are you surprised? Uh, a little bit. Uh, a little bit, Roosevelt. I, I really didn't think Navy was very good after what happened against Delaware, but maybe Delaware is that good. So I was a little bit surprised. I'm not going to lie. NCCU and Richmond, I got Central. Campbell slows NCCU. Campbell by 20. Damn. NCCU 35. Campbell 21. Um, only about an hour. Fan bases would have been deep. I'm still hoping the attendance is good. Listen, I want everyone to be safe. I I, I want everyone to be, be safe out there, safe travel. So I understand if people don't come. I still hope the attendance is pretty good. But we'll I'll let y'all know. I'll, I'll be posting. Listen, I'll be doing kind of what I did last week for Incarnate Word. Um Southeastern Louisiana, I'll be posting updates, pictures. I'll have the highlight video as usual. So I'm, I'm going to give you all full coverage. Listen, I even got got the ponchos ordered. I got the camera cover. We're still going to try to get you all, all the content as possible, even with the inclement uh, weather. Campbell, 28-27. This should be an FCS award for defensive backs, linebackers, D-linemen. I agree. I, there should be more uh, positional, uh, like diverse awards rather than just two. Central by 13, Richmond by 14. Do not underestimate. That is true. I do want to note Campbell last week did have a bye week. Now, I do want to say Central uh, Central played a D3 school last week. So I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if, if they're really worn. I don't know if that counts as like a real physical game that they can come off banged up on. But it still is playing a game regardless of who you play. Campbell did have a complete week to focus on Central, but I can't imagine that Trey Oliver spent a lot of time game planning for that D3 matchup um, last week, uh, if, if he had to be honest with, with each other on that one. Uh, let's see. Uh, NCCU by 7. NCCU by 13. Um, let's see. Boy, that blue butt. Um, NCC versus Kimball's lit, but uh, NC Central all the way. You're going to look like a weatherman. I'm telling you, you, you see me. I've got to put the hat backwards and everything, losing losing everything. But um, 
real quick, Elon Richmond for um, I'm gonna open back up the call lines and I'm just taking y'all's comments for the rest of the night, uh, probably for the next 45 minutes or so. Um, I'm gonna ride with Elon in this one. Uh, I trust Matthew McKay at quarterback. Uh, big transfer from Montana State. He's looked electric, over a thousand yards passing, nine touchdowns, only one turnover this year. Also being the second leading rusher behind Hampton with over 303 touchdowns. Daughtry and uh, Jackson Parnum are two of the best wide receivers in the FCS, one of the best duos, combined for five touchdowns and over 550 yards. And on the defensive side, they got some absolute ball hawks, man, between Hillman, Malone, and Sanders at the at the linebacker and DB spot. I think Elon gets a big win. That the the win over um the win over William and Mary last week, I think, really, really set up this program to be a contender in the CAA. I still think everyone's probably competing for that second place spot because I just don't know if anyone's gonna be able to catch Delaware this year. Richmond has a great QB in in, in you I believe it's Shalinsky. And if he can and if he can turn this thing into just a QB battle and both run games get shut out, I do trust him a little bit more than McKay through the air. But due to the fact McKay can do it with his legs as well, I'm going to lean Elon in this matchup in, in my game of the week. And I'll be at Campbell NCCU, and I'm really, really excited to see um, what they, you know, what they do. I see Elon coming off the upset of William Mary, but Udinsky finally settling in. His efficiency numbers are on point. Yeah, weather weather's gonna any game on the West Coast or even that Southeast region is gonna be impacted by rain and wind this weekend. So yeah, just uh just be one careful if you're traveling to a game and two, uh make sure that plays into your predictions and your bets if you're betting this weekend, uh for sure. Definitely make sure you're betting it, man. Speaking of that, I got to pay some bills, man. So, man, uh, appreciate ja- DraftKings for working with me these past few weeks, man. But we'll be back right after this commercial break. The NFL season is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbooks, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, Everybody can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. And with payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. All you have to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook now and use promo code BLUEBLUES to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game this weekend. That's code BLUEBLUES only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. Be back. Um, listen, call in number 701-779-9585. Man, listen, we can talk any games, anything like that. This 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 show is for y'all. I try to combine my FCS previews with my mailbags, man. But to go back through real quick, if you're tuning in late, coach's corner tomorrow with my coach, uh with my guy coach Fred. We're we're talking big games. Uh we're recapping previewing some games. We did preview an FBS game this weekend, all miss Kentucky mess. So if you're interested in that, check that out tomorrow. We covered some of the big FCS games. We did Central Campbell. We did Richmond Elon. And um we all we also t- we uh 
we've recapped the FAMU Alabama AM game and some of the big games of last weekend. Um, listen, Walter Payton, watch list. If you missed it, Tim DeMoret, Shador Sanders, Jaden Sheridan are my top three guys right now. Honorable mentions are Fotis, Hunter Lipke, and Lindsey Scott Jr. Uh, throughout the first few weeks of the season. But Buchanan, a watch list, Patrick O'Connell, John Pius, and Maxwell Anderson were my three picks as of right now. Chris Whitaker, Niles Gaddy, and Johnny Buchanan are three names to watch depending on how they perform. Um, I had Montana State over, over UC Davis, Stephen F. Austin over Sam Houston State, Chattanooga over ETSU, Holy Cross over Harvard, NDSU over Youngstown State, Missouri State over North Dakota, Sanford over Furman, Austin P over UCA. I listen, I hate to do it. Sacred Heart over Norfolk, PV over Grambling, FAMU over Valley, Yale over Howard. And then I can't make a prediction since I'm at that game, but Campbell NCCU this weekend. And I got Elon over um over Richmond this upcoming weekend, man. Appreciate you, Nick, uh, for that. Um, how you got blue can uh New Hampshire upset Western Michigan, Bryant uh versus NCAT. I don't know about the FBS upset, but I will say that North Carolina A&T Bryant game is is extremely uh, extremely interesting to me because one A&T fans have been very vocal on Twitter. Uh, I think all you guys are kind of in the same Twitter spaces as, as me, but A&T fans are feeling uh are feeling really good right now, and I just. I would just pump the brakes, man, because they just haven't they haven't been consistent enough for me yet. I want to see ANT put together a series of wins and a series of good performances. And right now, I just don't know what that looks like. So I think ANT this is a must win. And I, if they don't beat Bryant, I'm just going to say this: ANT is going to have to go a different direction from Sam Washington. They can run the ball well. Tootin had a big game last weekend. They ran all over South Carolina State, and that front seven played a hell of a game. I think they held uh, South Carolina State to eight yards rushing, and they forced they forced them to throw the ball 50 times, and that is a recipe for disaster uh, for South Carolina State. I just need to see if a is a legit contender. And in, in this conference, Bryant is a team you're going to have to win. I think Bryant right now will probably be my number three team in the, CA, uh, in, in the Big South. They're going to have to win this game. Now, listen, Zevi Eckhouse at quarterback is legit for Bryant. He's going to he's going to test he's going to test that new secondary that's got revamped for AT. And he offers the same. Yeah, I think he's not as big, but he offers a similar issue that Davis Richard did, where he is not afraid to push the ball down the field and get out of the pocket and make plays. And so this is a big test for AT's secondary. And this is just a big test to see if they're a legit contender in the Big South. And the move to the CAA looks grim if Bryant beats AT this weekend. And that's why I think if Bryant wins this weekend, Sam Washington's got to be on the next flight out of, of Greensboro um, after this game. Let's see. Uh, Bryant has played their best ball already. AT will roll them here, whether a factor in this one, too. I, I definitely agree. I didn't expect JSU to make number eight in the list. I, I think they had to. I mean, listen, that they've been they've been a top ten team this year, Chris. And so I think the voters are finally putting a little bit of respect on them. Hey, uh, def, definitely going to be definitely going to be safe headed up there, man. Um, also, I'll be traveling tomorrow, but the round table's still tomorrow night, so um, I'll be just be doing it from my hotel room. So apologize that the Wi Fi is is a is a bit spotty. 
I disagree. Sam Washington is a good coach. A&T, not the 2019 Aggies. Miss of the 2020 season hurt them badly. Uh, they behind on the reload. So, um, Leon, my question would be, okay, so let's say A&T doesn't win the Big South this year. You move to the CAA year one. What are you, what are your expectations? Because I think you're going to have to you're going to have to reload in a big way if you if you're looking to if you're looking to compete in the CAA next year. Delaware is no joke. Villanova is no joke. Even though they lost to Monmouth, Monmouth isn't a joke. Elon's not a joke. Richmond's not a joke. William and Mary is not a joke. Where um. Well, you know where where do they go? What what does A and T need to do to really compete? And my issue, Leon, the only reason I said that is I still think A and T has to hire a coach that has done it at that level. And I think if if the wheels fall off this year, I don't have any I don't have any hype or hope going into going into next year that they're going to be able to compete. And what you're looking at the CAA potentially, you got um. Uh, what two conference wins next year at the most right now? I just, I don't know, Leon. I, I'll give you that. I think he's a good coach, but I, I just, I'm just worried about the the long term projections of the program. <laughs> Mister Campbell said, "Oh, man, y'all are all in A and T's head all the time in here. This is this is too much, man. A and T needs to build around that O line of running backs. What they did in this, you haven't seen in a while. Tootin is legit." Dave, he can play. I think last week he what had two touchdowns and like 150 yards rushing. I'm excited to see uh, what, what he does. What he does moving forward. I do not call up Manning. Uh Aaron. I'm going to be honest. The way Alabama A&M has looked, may, they better delete Maynard's number right now. They need a coach that is that has won in the playoffs and has won in a conference like the CAA. Do not call Connell Maynard to come up there and save you. If you're going to do that, just keep saying Washington and keep it pushing. Do not call Connell Maynard to, to come fix anything up there right now the way that team's looking. How do people who said JSU could never get in the top 10 in the rankings because strength of schedule with the goalposts now? Um, I don't know who said that, but um, – I don't. I, I don't know. T. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know who said it. I mean, they started out the season pretty high, but I don't know. I. I will say this. Um, just. Just for me. I would. Okay, I'm, I'm just gonna put it out there. T. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm saying that it is going to be extremely difficult for Jackson State to break the top five even with where they are right now. And I understand the teams, uh, some of the teams above them play each other. But if Montana State, let's just say, upsets Montana by three, there's a chance that neither of those teams drop out the top six. Same with South Dakota State, North Dakota State. So you're gonna ha- you're gonna have to see someone pull like a big upset off to potentially have that, and the problem becomes if somebody in the teens, like third that twelve through fifteen spot, maybe sixteen, seventeen, if they get a big win over a top five team, they're gonna start jumping people, and it's not just Jackson State; it's Jackson State, Holy Cross, probably and Central are probably the three teams that are at least in my top twenty five. That, that are going to start getting impacted by strength of schedule later in the season. So I'll just say that. I don't think any anyone who said they couldn't ever get to the top 10 probably 
was overstating it, but I will say I'm not going to say it's impossible. I'm just going to say it's going to be a tough road to break into the top five for Jackson State and or Holy Cross because neither because those two programs, Holy Cross needs Fordham to break into the top 25 and Jackson State needs somebody, maybe all corn if they can put a run together to break into the top 25. You know, you possibly get that top 25 matchup with Central. But other than that, those are the only two teams that uh, – I, I, that possibly might not play a top 25 team all year. And Holy Cross uh, H- Holy Cross has an FBS win too. So that's the other thing you got there when there's Holy Cross has a, a top win. Um, yeah, the polls don't matter really for Jack State. Like Prom said, I mean, he doesn't care. Um, it, it's more of a fan reaction too. I mean, the fans care more than anyone T. I mean, there's some fans that say they don't care, but then they, they the fans, some fans claim they don't care. And then when their team's not ranked where they want to be, they throw a fit. So it's like you obviously, obviously care a little bit, but man, we'll, we'll see how that is. There was a question I started here. Um, what's your opinion on fam? You, uh, uh, people being mad. They're not in the HBCU top five. Um, they shouldn't be in the top five. I'm just going to be, they shouldn't be. I think the top five right now, let me just do this off the top of my head. The top five right now in HBCU football is it Jackson state one central two. Alcorn state is going to be my three. Just, I mean, I, I think Alcorn state, I, I know people have doubts about their potential, but I think they're right now they've looked, as a more impressive team, they get that out of conference win against McNeese. They looked amazing against Stephen F. Austin, and their and their one other big loss was to Tulane. And no one else in HBC football has a big uh, FBS win or FBS performance. So I'm going to put Alcorn State at three. Oh man! Now this is where because I just think the top three for me are easy, but. Four through like eight, man. I don't even think it matters. Like, I don't think, I don't don't think anyone deserves it. I'm going to be honest with you. Everybody after JSU and NCCU, I don't care about. Like, I I don't care where where they have them because I don't think anyone's on JSU's or NCCU's level right now. I'm going to be just being honest. I think. If I had to put someone, it'd be JSU, NCCU, Alcorn State, PV at four. And I know people aren't going to like this, and and that's fine. We can argue in the chat all day, man. We got time. My five would be NCAT. And I know people are going to say, um, oh, my God, why are you going to put A&T, man? They're one and three. A&T has three losses to three teams that would beat any other team in these rankings. I mean, other than I mean, Central will beat everyone probably other than Jackson State right this second. But North Dakota State swiping everybody out in the rankings, and Duke's wiping everybody out in the rankings. So I don't, I don't put a lot of stock in. So I still think, and do the fact they beat South Carolina State like they did, I think ANT's earned the five spot over, um, over anybody else. It really and truly, I mean, Southern got shut out by Texas Southern. Texas Southern looked like trash against PV. I, I mean, who who else? Who else? Y'all want to argue? South Carolina State got wrecked. South Carolina State got wrecked by ANT last week. South Carolina State can't be there. Tennessee State's zero and three. It's just no one else deserves it. Let me just be honest. No one else has a better win right now than possibly ANT. I mean, you can argue Morgan. 
possibly, but I would argue that, man, a loss to Towson, it keeps them out of it. I think Morgan's probably top six or seven, but FAMU does not belong there. Right? You, you cannot lose by 56 to Jackson State, struggle with Albany State, and and think you're in the top five it, because because you were down. You I mean, they were down early against Alabama and 2 I think FAMU's in the top seven or eight, but – I don't think uh, I don't I don't think fam you can argue top five. I'm saying Jackson State one, NCCU two, Alcorn three, PV four, and ANT five, and then you your honorable mentions can be fam you and Morgan. So that's where that's where I'm going to keep it. And I just think everyone else has a lot to prove. I need to see more from everybody. So um, I'll say I'll say those are my top five HBCU teams right now. Um. JSU ain't playing for pride. Uh, I'm a, I must have missed a lot in the chat. I, I see. Um, I see a bunch. Hey, but I appreciate that. Do you think FAMU gets a bad rap because they ran into a JSU team super ready to play? Possibly. I th- I think possibly. The, but for me, it was more the fact that they just haven't looked impressive for a full game. I don't um, – I mean, the North Carolina game is what it you know is what it is, but FAMU didn't looked horrible against Jackson State. They looked they didn't play a complete game against Albany State, and they played good for two two and a half quarters against Alabama A and M. I just need to see FAMU. I need more from FAMU right now um, before I put them in my top five. They have a chance, Sonic Boom, but right now I, I can't put them in my top five. One three two six, you're live. What's up, what's up, man? Let me stop this. What's up, Blue? What's good, man? Man, uh, calling in. I never really hear you talk about the Mac schools, like Western, Eastern, any of that. Do you cover that also? I watch it, but, you know, between trying to keep up with Power 5 for, like, my actual job and then – Keeping up with FCS, the group of five is kind of like a here or there thing. So I keep up with it in my personal life, but I just haven't dedicated a lot of time to it on the show just because I've been covering FCS and while also in my real job covering Power Five too. Um, in the FCS right now, man, what, what, what's your top 10? Excluding Black House. Excluding who? The black college, Jackson State and, and, and uh, North Carolina State. Um, hang on, let me see if I can load this PowerPoint up again. Uh, hang on. So, uh, let me go back through. So, I guess if I didn't include Jackson State, only one team would shift. So, I would have. North Dakota State, South Dakota State, Montana, Montana State, Sac State, Delaware, Weber, Holy Cross, Missouri State, and Chattanooga would be the top ten. Okay. And we talk about uh, – well, I, I've heard talk of Jackson State moving to a, a, a bigger conference like uh, what was the Big 12 and all these other conferences. I mean, they're not even in the top ten. If you remove, I mean, like it's only one other team, and that's a MEAC team. So. Uh, 
I just don't. I mean, it's, it's the hype is getting ridiculous. They got play people. You know what I'm saying? You want to be the best, you're gonna have to beat the best at that top that of your list that you get. That's about it, dude. Love you, Joe, man. Hey, man, appreciate you. I will say, okay, let me rebuttal the last um, comment. I will say I do give I do give Jackson State credit for going out and scheduling Campbell and Tennessee State. I, what I, I understand the frustration of Jackson State fans in this capacity where they're like, okay, why don't we get any credit? Um, why don't we get any credit for scheduling teams that just didn't work out? So uh, what I what I compare it to is what happened last year with um with uh Cincinnati. So with Cincinnati, with Cincinnati last year, he uh, they 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 scheduled Indiana, they scheduled Notre Dame, and because those two teams didn't play well, he uh. They, 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 uh, some some experts and fans tried not to give them any credit for going out and scheduling. They're like, you didn't play anyone, you didn't try to play anyone. And they're like, listen, we scheduled these games years ago, months ago, and those teams just didn't turn out to be good. I do give credit to Jackson State for scheduling Campbell. Campbell was supposed to be good. Campbell is still potentially could be a could be a conference champion at the FCS level. They also went out. And, they had Tennessee State by default, but Tennessee State was supposed to be good. And Tennessee State at 0-3 still has a chance to win their conference coming off this bye week. So I just I get what I I get both sides, but I really do get the frustration of Jackson State fans because that they're not getting credit for actually going out and scheduling teams that just happen not to be good. And I don't I don't think you could hold that against the team. Um, just, just, I, I just, just us, you know, discussing this, but I, I think you've got to give teams credit for the effort to schedule potentially good teams, especially when schedules have to be made so early and sometimes teams just don't live up to the hype. Um, so I, I'll, I'll just keep it. I'll, I'll, I'll put it at that, but let's, you can't exclude. So I had a conversation with BJ Jones today uh, over the phone before, uh, the show today. And we were talking about how there were some voters for, um, top 25s that aren't top 25 voters anymore because they were purposely excluding um they were excluding ivy league teams swag teams and MEAC teams and their eyes teams that don't play in the playoffs shouldn't be ranked and so therefore they're not voters anymore on any of the top 25 polls across the fcs so i i i I understand some frustration, but man, it, a top 10 team is a top 10 team. And you can't convince me that Jackson state and central right now can't compete with some of those teams in the top 25. Um, and, and I just, I, I get that frustration from, from SWAC fans and, and Jackson and, and, and Jackson state fans and, and just fans of even Ivy league schools that they don't, uh, play anyone when, when, I mean, sometimes they do, uh, I mean, they, they do go out there and schedule these teams, and sometimes schedules don't work out like they thought. Um, I see the comment. Hang on, I'm pulling up a schedule here because I gotta I gotta address something, man. We gotta we gotta stop with this with this narrative real quick. Um, okay, we say this. I get what you're saying, T. They played on the road against Texas, who's going to be a top 25 team, or who was a top 25 team. They played number 20 Arkansas this weekend. Then they go play number 17, Texas A&M. 
Then they play a top 10 team in Tennessee. Then they play Mississippi State and LSU, both of which are receiving votes in the top 25 poll. And then they play number 14, Ole Miss. It's different, T. It's different. They, they, <laughs> Alabama actually has a very um, competitive schedule this year. Uh, so I don't it, – it's not a cupcake schedule because most people in college football would not make it out of live, alive um, with that. Oh, man. The best the, – they made the best dish for them, got the Celebration Bowl, and collect that check. Um, <laughs> Mr. Campbell, man, I, I got to – I gotta address. I gotta address some of these comments, man. I, I got. I got. Can't let some stuff slide. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Um, slowly but surely, Mr. Campbell. Sometimes there's something inside of me. I just. I do it on Twitter too, where I, where I see. I see something. I'm like, I know I shouldn't respond, and I just something in my mind clicks. So I'm like, I gotta respond and 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 correct that. And so I'm slowly but surely getting better, man. I'm only 25, Mr. Campbell, man. I don't have that. Uh, I don't. I don't have the sometimes the capacity to hold back on stuff. T, one game? You're going to call it a cupcake schedule on a conference-mandated game? The SEC is the same way with the SWAC, uh, T. They have to play their conference games. Like, Vandy's a required game for them to play this year due to the conference rotation. So the East and the West, they rotate every year, and the SEC mandates who plays who each year. So you can't you can't say that. Um, Blue, if you're convinced that Jack State is a top 10 team, hypothetically, how far would they go in the playoffs? I got them catching a first round loss. Um, oh, okay. She's trolling. I got you. I got you, T. Okay. I was making sure I was like, man, T, come on. I know, I know you got more football knowledge than that, T. But, um, Miak, uh, Miak Mike, it depends on who they got. Um, but I will say, I think they're a quarter, I think they're a quarterfinals team potentially so um i think they could get past the first and second round but man when you get to those quarterfinals things get tough in the quarterfinals that's where like that's where the that's where the north dakota states south dakota states and stuff like that really and truly separate themselves man because um that's where the sac states and the missouri states and all these teams that if if you listen to fcs talk people talk about teams that are good regular season teams but have never won anything kennesaw state's another example when you get past when you get to those quarterfinals man you got to start playing you got to you got to you, you got to really really play hard um and i think what would happen is jackson state would get someone in the south so jackson state being in mississippi they'd probably get a southland team and you know whether that's southeastern louisiana whether that's po- incarnate word, possibly, um, you know, whoever comes out of the Southland, or they would get one of the SOCON teams that are in that region. So, um, well, Jacksonville State's gone now, but one of the Southern Tennessee teams, maybe maybe like a Mercer or someone like that, Chattanooga um, in, in Southern Tennessee, and Jack State could, beat, could compete with those teams. Um, second round, I don't know what – I mean, this is a hypothetical bracket, so it's it's hard to assume who they would play. Um, but they, they're a quarterfinal team, Miak Mike. And then depending on who they got in the quarterfinals, they could make it around further. But um, it's, it's just going to get tough because if they end up having to travel to Fargo, they end up having to travel to Brookings, South Dakota, or travel to Montana or Montana State or, or Eastern Washington or, or someone like that. I don't know. Or if they had to go to Delaware, I don't know how they would fare in, the, in, in that weather because I, I don't 
a top eight seed potentially, but right now, if I had to base it on the rankings now, North Dakota State, South Dakota State would both be seeds. Um, Sac State would be a seed. Delaware would be a seed. Montana State would be a seed. Um, Weber would probably be a seed. So it just depends on where they would have to would have to travel. I can't wait to for JSU to play whoever from the MIAC in the Celebration Bowl. Um, every time Parham has been embarrassed, he has come back with a dominant win over that team. Crazy case scenario, the semifinals, NDSU, SCSU. Very possible, Dave. Very, very, very possible, to be honest. Uh, let's see. If NDSU don't beat themselves, they would be a hard out. Yeah, I mean, I, I, listen, uh, if you make it to the quarterfinals, man, that's that's a hell of a season. I don't, I'm not. That's not taking anything away from Jackson State. And I said they could probably get further depending on the matchup. But it, it's just tough. I mean, Jackson State fans themselves have talked about how hard it would be for Jackson State to go play Montana in December. Or how hard it would be to go go play North Dakota State in Fargo or South Dakota State outside in Brookings. I mean, Dave's in the chat. Man, when it's when it's four degrees and snowing, I just I don't know how uh, how well uh, you you fare. Let's see. It, unless it's a warm spell, any North game in the FCS playoffs is a loss. It's different, man. It, it's a hard environment. I, um, so I don't know how many of you guys watch some some of the games. Just go look up. Don't even don't even watch the whole game. Y'all go look up the highlights. It's on Victor's Valent or something like that. Go look up. Go look up the game. Um, South Dakota State versus Montana State last year in the semifinals, and tell me if Jackson State wants to go play in that environment. It's a hell of a crowd, man. Montana State's got a hell of a crowd, but there's no way anyone wants to play up there in that weather. Zero, zero chance that anyone wants to play in that weather. Who wants to pay 30, 40 and take some of your profits? I agree. And you're going to get me demonetized with the F that, but I agree. Uh, go look up when JSU had to go up to Boise with at least five, seven NFL players. Not a good outcome. I've been to Nebraska and it was negative, not snowing. It's not fun just being from the South. <laughs> I agree. Listen, I lived in Kansas for four years. I hated the snow. I hated it so much. I, I, couldn't, I just couldn't do it. I'm trying to catch back up on these uh, comments. FCS needs to revamp their system anyway. Need the avocado ball, rice bowl, Amazon Prime bowl. Um, here's something. Okay, there's going to be there's going to be multiple reactions to what Prime said. I don't know. Was it Earn Your Leisure or something like that? Um, y'all, let me know. Is is that the show that Prime did the interview with today or or yesterday? One, one of these days, he he did an interview with. Um, on YouTube and they talked about the FCS playoffs and the rankings and, and things like that. I'm going to be, I'm, Oh man, I would say, I think he has, he has a good point. Listen, and I saw the, I saw the Twitter, sorry, my, my headphones died, but, um, I saw the Twitter post where people were like, oh, man, maybe now that uh, that prom said it, everyone's going to agree. Listen, nobody in their right mind that covers FCS football has said the FCS playoffs are a smart financial decision. Nobody has ever said that. What has been said is that it's it's a good competition thing. It's a good, you know, whatever. But no one has said it makes sense financially. 
And it's because the NCAA does not care about FCS football. Let's just let's just keep being a hundred percent honest. But what but what could what good can happen from prom making these comments is if prom goes undefeated this year with Jackson State, wins the celebration bowl, what's next? Because we all can agree the biggest thing with prom is that once he achieves something, there's always the next thing that he wants to do. So what is that moving forward for him? Is it, you know, what's next for him? And and that's, that's the, that's the question mark for me. What's next for prom. And, if he's if he starts being very vocal about what the playoffs are, how to fix it, and things like that, I wonder if it took a it takes a voice like that to fix it, like a, like a lot of the other things that he's shined the light on. I wonder if that's the next step for the FCS playoffs. I'm I'm just asking that that's just that's just how I feel about it and what I want to see is is that the is is that the you know, final thing that that pushes it over the, over the line. They have the FCS bowl system set up like March Madness. This isn't basketball. There's just a lot of questions on what's the advertisement and TV deals for the playoffs. I, I don't know. I don't know what the market is for that. And we'll see. I, being on ABC this year, like I said last live. I'm very, very, very interested in how the the ratings compare to the Celebration Bowl. With it being on similar channels at similar times, everything like that, does does the uh, do the ratings are the ratings similar? That's the question. Are the ratings going to be similar this year? And if they are. Can can the FCS be like? Listen, we need better. We need we need a better payout. We need something like. What can they take to the instant blade to start getting more money? I I don't know, man. But me and uh, Sonic Boom and Dave and a bunch of people who have been on this show for months have talked about this already. I I've been vocal. They they have to they have to do something different to make it profitable because what's going to end up happening is the FCS is going to end up cannibalizing itself. Um, in a way where the the James Madisons and everything keep leaving and the FCS isn't going to have any good teams. Uh, no, they don't, Nick. Uh, there's only three conferences that don't play in the playoffs, and it's the MEAC, the SWAC, and the Ivy Leagues. And the Ivy Leagues are not due to money. The Ivy Leagues are, due, are because they don't they focus on academics and they want their athletes to be focused on finals and passing their tests. So, there's all, the only two conferences that opt out of the playoffs are the MEAC and SWAC, and teams aren't just opting out of the playoffs at the FCS level. Uh, so that, that's uh, that's that's not that's not the case. They could fit those games in through Christmas between FBS bowls because there's a space of no games right now. That's the reason they move the um, the playoffs start when they do wane. Is that the school, the NCAA wanted student athletes to be able to travel home for the holidays. That's they're they're purposely not trying to play games on Christmas or around that time, so the student athletes can go home and see their families and, and things like that throughout the holidays. So I don't know if they they would change that, but um, we'll see. 
they shoot being on a normal channel. Everyone can get for free is always better. If they make it permanent, it will press the Celebration Bowl viewers. Um, it sure does to see if he makes a full of himself. Uh, let's see the Montana and Dakota will sell out all their playoff games. Uh, let's see. Regarding the automatic playoff bid for the spots, why can't teams who don't want to participate just opt out, Grambling and SU? Uh, the pr- – <laughs> Because the, the real problem, Chad, becomes the fact that this year the, the SWAC championship is the second round of the playoffs. And so what would happen is the way that would have to work, Chad, is that Grambling and SU would have to be okay with never winning the SWAC. And that's just not going to happen. Um, because since the Bayou Classic happens the first weekend of the playoffs, that means the SWAC championship can't happen till the second weekend of the playoffs. And so you just can't opt out and have an auto bid. The MEAC could do that. Chad, if, if they wanted, but the SWAT can't because of the placement of the Turkey Day Classic and the Bayou Classic. So um, that, uh, that that's not possible just due to the schedule. So why did the SWAC, uh, because of the Celebration Bowl, uh, JM, and also um, the SWAC, I think, opted out before the Celebration Bowl was a thing. And they just didn't want to auto bid that they didn't. Well, one, they weren't having any success, and two, they felt like they were being treated unfairly. Um, so uh, they they just they decided to opt out because they weren't winning anything. Shoot, NDSU easy to sell out, ain't nothing but three hundred seats. <laughs> Ivy League is into cool sports like lacrosse and chess. They won't go to the FCS playoffs because it's not cool. We aren't as cool. Uh, Texas Southern versus Alabama State. Um. I I like Texas Southern in this one, Craig. I, I do. I, I think the there's some instability at quarterback at Alabama State, regardless of what people say. And I think Texas Southern right now, man, is is riding a little high. We'll I, I just it just all depends on Andrew Body, Craig. Andrew Body has to has to be consistent, and that's something he's really been missing in his game is some consistency. If he can if he can be as efficient as he was against Southern week in and week out. Texas Southern could be a really good team. The defense in certain spots looks a lot better for Texas Southern, especially Isaiah Hamilton, who is the highest-graded corner in the SWAC right now. He's playing out of his mind. That front seven looks solid. I got Texas Southern winning this weekend, Craig, over Alabama State. Can't advance teams who still have a um, – in front of them, uh, upsets do happen. SWACs to start this season earlier. Yeah, back in 1999. Uh, let's see. The MEAC um, actually made FAMU and BCU move their playoff. Yeah. Um, that's right. I mean, the MEAC was committed to uh, to legit. Uh, that The MEAC was legit in the playoffs. They wanted to compete in it. And I'm, I'm interested to see. Uh, I, I, so I had Jamie Walker on. If you remember, he came on to preview A&T season. And he was saying some of the fans were a little bit skeptical of the Celebration Bowl at first because they did want to compete in the playoffs. But now – that the financials work and the Celebration Bowl has grown in popularity that a lot of the MEAC fans love the Celebration Bowl. But yeah, the MEAC was, the MEAC was committed to to, uh, to really and truly uh, play in. Let's see. Yeah, uh, SWAT Championship. Yeah, because um, I'll get to your comment, um, Shucker, but um, this. Uh, so I don't know how... I know some people in the chat know this. Um, the... The NCAA, due to the FCS system, any postseason game in terms of 
championship games, bowl games, anything at the FCS level makes you ineligible for the FCS playoffs. And so due to the creation of the SWAC championship game, the SWAC was playing a postseason game. So any team that went to the SWAC championship cannot play in the playoffs anyway. So that's a little bit of backstory uh, behind that one. Uh, let's see. I uh, love this idea, Cam. Still would not happen, sadly. Southeastern Louisiana just has to keep winning. Southeastern Louisiana just caught the short end of the stick, um, in my opinion. They had two big FBS games, and then they played Central Connecticut State, which wasn't an impact win. They beat Incarnate Word. They jumped all the way back up into the top 25. Um, I think, what, they're in the top 20-ish. They just got to keep winning. I just think people didn't know where to put Southeastern Louisiana, and therefore, due to the the strength of schedule early with those two FBS games, Shucker, the fact that William and Mary emerged, the fact that Sanford emerged, the fact that Elon's jumping in, Firm is jumping into the fray, all these teams, and even Incarnate Word going on the run they did, all these teams were, be, were being moved ahead of Southeastern Louisiana just by default. And that's that's kind of what hurt them. I just think they got to keep winning and they'll be just fine, man. They'll, they can prove themselves. And right now they're in the driver's seat for the Southland and getting that auto bid. So I can mean, X Liberation Ball has no weight. I want to get that respect, uh, step up our game and coaching, and challenge other FCS schools. I don't give South Carolina State any chance to uh, to win that game. I'm going to be honest. I don't – I. You know, I'm, that's just a money making game. Shaq Davis has to go out there and perform. BJ Davis, uh, Godbolt, Jablonski, all those guys got to go out there and perform. But uh, S- South Carolina runs away in that one. Um, if I had to, if I had to guess, yes, that's why they're going broke now. Who is talking about in cat right now? Nobody. No Miak. Te- no Miak likes to play. Also, that's, that's why there's no teams left. Uh, say it again. Blue FCS loses good teams and new good teams arise. Marshall. Georgia Southern, Troy, App State, Western Kentucky, James Madison, all left. All good teams arise in the FCS. I like that. Um, man, I shut down the call lines, but we're going to go for about 15 more minutes, man, with y'all's comments, and then we're rolling out here about the, the two-hour mark. Um, when Bethune was in the MEAC, they went to the they went to the playoffs all the time. They 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 did. Has the celebration ball really grown that much in popularity? Hmm. <sighs> Yes and no. Okay, so sorry, but the the thing looking at it from a looking at it from just an outsider's perspective. I mean, listen, I'll, let's just let's look at it from a football perspective. Yes, it's grown in popularity, but I think it has more to do with the fact, and this is something that B.J. Jones, Doctor Cavill talked about. Man, so this ain't me trying to hate on nothing. The Celebration Bowl has gotten really, really lucky that one, they had an amazing TV deal on ABC on a, on a weekend where it's the only bowl game. It kicks off bowl season every year. The location, the TV deal, the date, everything is perfect. Then every year thus far, there's been a huge storyline behind the Celebration Bowl. Even before I really was covering FCS or HBC or anything in, in on this channel, I mean – that's a game that everyone still tuned in, regardless if you were an FCS fan, an FBS fan. It was just, it was football to watch in college football. So everyone tuned into it. And there were storylines to get fans invested and everything. You had the Grambling teams that were so great. North Carolina AT went on a run. Those Alcorn teams had storylines. There was just always something to keep interest. The problem is 
like Dr. Cavill said on the show, what happens that one year where it's just chaos and UAPB goes and plays Delaware State? What, what does the Celebration Bowl look like then? And I, I don't I don't know the answer to that. I'll let y'all answer that. But it's just every year thus far, we've had amazing matchups in the Celebration Bowl. The TV, the place, like I said, location, all amazing. They did a great job planning it and scheduling it. But what happens when the storylines and the teams don't add up? And, and that's the one question mark that that Dr. Cavill, BJ, and all of them talked about on that HBCU roundtable that we had a while back. Uh, let's see. Uh, HBCU's never got a fair deal in the playoffs. D1 and D2, there's a long history of unfair seating. One of the most notable was FAMU Gulf Coast offense. <laughs> learning. Um, we had history. Celebration Bowls on ABC, $1 million split up. We don't care about gaining respect from people who make every excuse not to give it to us and move the goalpost. Has um, anyone really did a deep dive on where the Celebration Bowl money um, – I don't think anyone's that might be a Dr. Cavill question, Sonic Boom, if I had if I had to guess. Um, just off the top of my head, Shuck, I would have to say in the A Sun, Austin P, Big Sky, Montana, Big South, Campbell, CAA, Delaware, Ivy League. I like Harvard. Um, SWAC, I like Jackson State, Southland, I like Southeastern. Whack, I like Stephen F. Austin, SoCon, I'm rolling with Mercer, um, OVC, I'm rocking with UT Martin due to the injuries with Tennessee State, MVFC, um, give me North Dakota State, uh, and I don't know about the Pioneer, Shuck, I'm going to be honest, the non-scholarship leagues are tough, um, Patriot, I'm rolling with Holy Cross still. Um, NEC, I'm still going to go with Sacred Heart, man. So those, those, just off the top of my head, those are the ones that I feel most – I think those are the favorites right now to win those conferences. Um, why can't FCS – due to NCAA rules, Roosevelt, that's um, – just due to uh, just due to the NCAA rules. Uh, man, Leonard, be safe through that hurricane, man, for sure. The ratings have always been good for their time slot and for the day. Let's see. JSU is just the A-side, like it or not. I just wish it was later in the day, 11 o'clock Central Time. is too early. JSU versus NCC is going to top 3 million viewers. I, I agree with that. The thing is that things will never happen. I like I love it. Uh, that ain't happening. Not times all 10 HBC Blue Bloods are going to be in the game, especially with the revitalization. Um, let's blue just be honest. Celebration Bowl isn't really... Uh, Popular just our baby Jack State. I'll make that prediction the week of the game, Chad. I can't predict that one. Um, I can't predict that one right uh all this far out. No LSTSU. I agree. Uh, LS being banged up is the uh Ellis's Ellis's uh injury really took the wind out of Tennessee State uh sales right now. No, um Austin P's in the A Sun this year, Calvin. This is their first year in the A Sun and um, then the, uh, if I'm not, then they'll still have the, you know, let's schedule, but yeah, Austin P right now leading the a sun. Uh, let's see. Hey man, it, it's late. We're going to wrap up in about 10 minutes, man. I'm just trying to make, uh, I'm trying to hit two hour mark, get all y'all's, uh, get all y'all's comments. in. seems like the conference is splitting a million dollars. Won't do much. We love the one mil from the celebration bowl, but complain about the amount of the ESPN deal. Uh, Sonic Boomer asking good questions, man. I, I I can't speak for anybody. And someone asked me. This was 
Um, well, someone once someone sent it to me and asked me what how I felt about it. I just want to get y'all's thoughts. Um, someone asked me why everyone. It, why everyone drugged the playoffs when it was brought up? So ev- all you know, all the SWAC fans, me not more SWAC than the MEAC, drugged the playoffs for their lack of financial um, credibility or whatever financial gain. But why? Why did everyone just ignore that with a lot of the classics up until Prime got here? And someone sent that to me. I just want to get y'all's thoughts on it. Um, is you know, what What are y'all thoughts? Like, they were wondering why everyone was so critical of the playoffs, but they weren't critical of... They, they weren't critical of the contracts that they were signing with some of the classics and everything. And I'm not touching that with a 20-foot pole, but I just want to get y'all's opinion on that. Appreciate you, Mr. Campbell. Um, Celebration Bowl is popular. It has some things going. No, Mr. G, apparent, what I was told by uh, what Dr. Cavilla said and everything is there is a contingency plan... I don't know what that contingency plan is, but I have been vocal. I would, I would love to see the Ivy League step in if they were looking for another conference. Um, I really would. The Ivy League versus the SWAC in the postseason would be great. Neither one care about the playoffs, and, and it would be great. So I would say I would love to see the Ivy League, but there is a contingency plan, Mr. G, based on what I was told. Anyway, in HBC, you can go to Power 5. No, not straight to Power 5. You're going to have to go Group of 5 and then work your way up to Power 5. JSU versus Campbell for JSU homecoming. It equates to a blowout. <laughs> Ron, I made my prediction earlier. I'm going with Holy Cross getting revenge for last season. It's a $1 million split for one game. We lost more money in the playoffs going as far as hell, even if we go deep. Um, let's see. Um, a lot of fans did not know the money breakdowns. It's funny when GSU and Alcorn were on top, none of them fans wanted to prove themselves against FCS. JSU is now on top when people want um to prove themselves. Also think Sonic Boom and also it also comes down to there's there's people outside the like bubble of just HBC football watching now. You have people that are FCS guys, you have people like Scotty and other people who weren't tuned into even FCS football at the time or even college football tuning in now. And I think it's just, it's the fan in people, man. It really is where, yes, if you're a Jackson state fan, you're looking at it from a different perspective. Like why would my team go out of the, out, out of their way to do this thing that makes no sense for us financially or, or popularity wise, but the fan in everyone still wants to see good football at the end of the day. And yes, Alabama fans aren't clamoring to play, X, Y, and Z teams, but guess what? Outside fans are saying, I would love to see Alabama play Ohio State in Columbus one year. I would love to see this team play whoever. So whoever the best team is, people clamor. Listen, outside FCS fans clamor for NDSU to play all kind of teams. It just comes with the territory of being the best team in your um in, in whatever conference. The other conference fans are going to say, like, man, we would love to see how you perform here. And that's just the fan and people. I I just – I won't put a lot of stock into it, man. It's just people being fans. Hey, appreciate you, JM, because they didn't know about the contracts, honestly, until Scotty st- st- started snooping around. That's fair enough, Mr. Campbell. That's fair enough. Blue, what are the characteristics, what are the characteristics of a team that could, that could derail JSU? Um <clears throat> – the first thing you got to have is is QB play. Your quarterback is going to have to be a game changer. Your quarterback is going to have to be good under pressure. 
make plays out of the pocket, and avoid turnovers. That's a lot to ask. There's a few quarterbacks in the FCS that I think fit that characteristic, but they don't play JSU. You know, Davis Richards one of those. And you've got to have a quarterback that can make plays out, just uncharacteristic plays when things break down, and he's got to be good under pressure because JSU is going to get pressure. Your quarterback has to respond. You're going to have to have a game-changing wide receiver. You look at what Shaq Davis did last year, you're going to have to have that number one guy, and your offensive line cannot be atrocious. It at least has to be just above average. You're going to need a game-changing defensive end. If you cannot get pressure on Shador, you're done. If Shador has all day to sit in the pocket, he's going to complete 85% of his passes, and you're not going to have a chance to win that game, and you're going to have to have long physical corners that, that can make plays on the football and are not afraid to challenge some of those big wide receivers for Jackson State. That's a lot of what-ifs, but that's what it's going to take for a team to derail Jackson State, and it's going to take a team that has all that playing good football and forcing Jackson State to play outside their comfort zone, and we'll see if if possibly NCCU or a team like a Campbell on the schedule can give Jackson State a run for their money or not. Pioneer League, by the way, San Diego is a good is a good pick. I like San Diego. Okay, so I would say San, that, that's a good I'll, – I'll ride with that, Dave. Negative, but I, I get it. Listen, I just want to say this. Okay, I, I'm, and I, I, I talked to BJ about this and um, everything, but uh, I get it. Like, I just say this. One, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to get upset anymore when people say, listen, hashtag Shador for Heisman. I'll tweet it out for you guys. Hashtag Tim Demoret for Heisman. Hashtag Jaden Sheridan for Heisman. I don't care anymore. Let's, let's, I, I, I get the point that Dion was trying to make in the, in the marketing behind it, and I don't blame him for promoting his player. And I do agree that more coaches at the FCS level should. There's been a few coaches in the FCS that have started Heisman campaigns for their players, and they should. More coaches should do that. The The one thing is, I do, even as an FCS guy, I think people get it confused between me saying it can't happen, that I don't want it to happen. Covering the FCS, I would love to see an FCS player win the Heisman and be a finalist. Um, there was a player in Holy, at Holy Cross in the late 80s that was a finalist twice. He finished fifth one year and third the next. I think it was 87, 88, or 88, 89. One of those two years, a, kid, a guy from Holy Cross finished twice in the top five. McNair finished third. And then there's been some guys that have had some Hosman hype but never received any votes or were finalists. I would love to see it, and I get the marketing. It's just uh, right now, due to the politics of football, it's not possible. And I think people were confusing me saying it's not possible that I didn't want it to happen. I wish more FCS players got consideration because Cole Kelly and Eric Barrier had better years than the last 10 Heisman winners, almost going back to whoever you want to put. And statistically and and everything, they've had better seasons, and I wish they were considered, but but they're just they weren't because FCS looks down on or FBS looks down on FCS, and that's just how it is. JSU to the SEC in 2027. Uh, the contracts are bad from what I've been seeing. Almost all three. I'm for JSU versus FCS teams. I just don't like the hypocrisy. I like it. SWAT can't negotiate deals. Um, pay, these same people said they didn't approve uh, themselves against FCS before. Uh, let's see. Uh, some of you are definitely trolling, trolling heavy. Uh, I would love to have seen that uh, seen JSU team this year playing uh, Southeastern Louisiana, though. We would have been in that game deep man sign me sign me up for that uh 
sign me up for that. Cole Kelly versus Shador Sanders. I, I'm all for that. All for that too. That would have been a hell of a matchup. No team in the swag has any of that for sure. <laughs> oh man, that's too much. Uh, let's see. Thick uh, twenty one down. <laughs> I guarantee you, Allcorn will smack PV and JSU in the mouth. Allcorn is the only team left that will challenge JSU. Well, if they win it or not, an FCS player get, uh, gets buzzed for the house and will help their get exposure for the next level. Completely agree. FCS needs a postseason invitational game. I've been screaming for that, Royce, for the longest. I've been screaming for that one. Uh, the Walter Payton Award is the closest thing to the Heisman that any FCS player will get. Definitely agree um, with that one there. This will let you um, you know, know how great Steve um, Air McNair was. Um, Mr. Campbell, I, I went back and, and was doing some research. I mean, I've, I've known for a little bit, but he's uh, he still holds like – 15 or 20 records uh, at, at the at the FCS level. I think he w- he was averaging damn near 600 yards per game his, his his senior season, and I mean he put up over 6,000 yards his final year. It is it was insane to to go back and just watch the film and also kind of look at just all the statistical records that he put together. And there are some that I don't care who is in the FCS will never be touched. I'm talking about they are unbreakable records. That Steve McNair uh, put up. Cole Kelly was that was that dude that played. Yeah, he he was the one that played. He was like 26 or something like that. They would have a meltdown if an FCS player won that. Definitely agree with that. Uh, let's see. Will take longer for. Uh, will it take longer than expected for the swag overall to improve? Um, yeah, I, I think so. W- what happened, Sonic Boom is. The fact that Dion was was able to come in and correct what and and not correct but build Jackson State into what they are now a top ten team at the FCS level with aspirations to go to um with aspirations to go to the F to, to the FBS I, I think it it put a lot of other teams clocks like it's ticking a lot faster and so I just think people are trying to microwave things when. Not every like listen, Willie Simmons is not prom. Um Hugh Jackson, not prom, uh Dooley, not prom, uh the Lisco Maynard, not prom. And so you you gotta judge them appropriately. And I think people are trying to move too fast on some of the coaches. And I mean, I've been guilty of it too. So it's just you have to uh you got you just gotta keep the expectations in, in perspective. Not everyone can build what has been built at Jackson state in the past two seasons that quickly. So I just think people, and listen, this isn't just a swack issue either. Sonic boom, this at being an sec guy, this happened in the sec when Nick Saban went out there and won in 2009, go look at how many programs and go look at all the other sec programs and see how many coaches they've went through trying to, trying to build what Saban built in that same way. It doesn't work like that. And I mean, even before um, you look at Auburn, Vandy, um, Ole Ole Miss, LSU, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, just go down the list of how many programs have recycled coaches. Florida, due to the fact that they couldn't be Alabama, and, and that's what's happened in the SWAC, and that's what also has happened in the Big Ten. 
people saw what saw what Ohio State was building and they just recycled through. Even let's go back, Mr. Campbell and all people who who have watched football forever. USC did the same thing to the Pac-12 in the mid 2000s. This is not new, and it's it's also going through. It's also doing the same thing in the MVFC. Everyone wants to try to be North Dakota State, and right now they can't. So I, I would just say it, it's not it's it's not Jackson State's problem, and it's just people are trying to uh, trying to rush it. I don't think he was actually 26. He was he was in his mid 20s. He's probably my age right now. I'm 25, so I'm sure he was about that age. SWAT commissioner needs to. I don't know what required standards. I knew he wasn't going to have a quick turnaround. JXC will be going for FBS if Coach Brown stays by 2026, 2027. Devo, you are wilding on that one. I was just trying to name a handful of coaches, man. Charlie World came to Alcorn to see Stephen McNair play the game. He broke Neil Lomax's record. It was crazy on the reservation. Saving is a good comp. The SWAC is getting better as a three year process of improvement. I agree with that. Jim Tressel from Young from Youngstown State. The SWAC needs to gut the coaches and start with the fundamentals. Not everybody, Calvin. McNair's a good coach. Willie Simmons is a good coach. There's good coaches in the SWAC. It's just they're being compared to someone who's who's setting a different pace. Everyone but Michigan. <laughs> fair, fair enough, man. Fair enough. When Michigan lost to App State, that sent their program into a spiral until Jim came. Youngstown stopped the FCS under under Tressel. Man, Tressel stomped the Big Ten too. I don't think people realize if, if Tressel would have got to stay at Ohio State, man, he would have still had that. Um, he would have still had that program rolling. USC was a killer outside at, at Carroll uh, Choking per usual. Y'all heard about the Pennsylvania kid? Um, uh, Phil, I Phil, I have not, man. But listen, this is the Week Five FCS preview, man. I appreciate y'all tuning in so much, man. We we've been keeping this thing rolling. I told y'all we we're gonna do more live streams throughout the season, man. I kept my promise for you guys. Roundtable coming tomorrow. Coach's Corner also dropping tomorrow with my guy, Coach Fred. If you do not miss this one, man, listen. We uh, we also start the show talking a little bit about. What happened at Alcorn this past weekend, man? Um, there's going to be a GoFundMe in the bio of that video. If you have not donated to the young man's um, young man's family and, and friends and everything, man, please do that. Coach Fred kind of spoke about what went on behind the scenes at Alcorn um, after the game but with everything. So uh, appreciate him coming on to talk about that. We preview some big games. Also, uh, uh, recap a little bit more as well, man. But listen... Until tomorrow, roundtable tomorrow night, man, for myself and the Blue Bloods, we are out for right now.